Let's continue our Sunday night series through the book of Acts. Please join me in Acts chapter 3. We're still considering Peter's response to the crowd. And I think we'll conclude this chapter tonight. The people have gathered around to see the miracle of the crippled beggar who has been healed. He was laid daily at the gate of beautiful of the temple, begging, and now he's been healed. And people are wondering what in the world's going on. And Peter addresses them and gives them the, the gospel. He tells them what's going on and he gives them the message. And so let's read this again, verses 12 through 26. And when Peter saw it, he answered and said unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath made hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I wot that through ignorance ye did it, as did also your rulers. But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all His holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. Ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God hath made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. So last week we covered verse 22, where Peter cites from Deuteronomy 18, verses 15 through 19, reminding Israel how Moses had foretold that there was a prophet to come that God would raise up from among Israel that would be like unto Moses. And, and Peter wants them to know that this same Jesus, the one that you've crucified, He is the fulfillment of that prophecy by Moses. And really, Peter is trying to show them how the apostles were not guilty of departing from the teaching of Moses. Because remember, they had elevated, the uh, children of Israel had elevated Moses onto a pedestal and, and really began to worship him in some ways. And so Peter here is saying, look, we're not departing from what Moses has taught. If anything, we're coming in line with what Moses taught. And the point Peter's making here is important because he wants them to understand we're not departing from God's Word. You've departed from God's Word. Moses foretold that the prophet to come would be like unto him, and I gave you many ways last week on how that was so. And yet Israel still missed 
seeing that prophet, even though they claimed to have been looking for him. They missed him even though they had God's word and he was living in their midst. And the challenge for us last week was very similar to the week before that. We need to stop looking for another and just trust God's word. You see, people get an idea of what Christianity should be in their mind. They get a picture of that. They get an idea of how things ought to go. And when life doesn't match up what they envision Christianity to be or maybe Christ to be, they look for another. Or they just lose sight of God's Word and kind of start drifting out. All that we need is found in God's Word. But I'm afraid we're not in God's Word like we would say that we are. And I say this because when fiery trials, persecutions, troubles, and tribulations come our way, we act like what in the world's going on? What Jesus said would happen is going on. And so we ought to expect those things. And it ought not to get us off track like it does for so many. What did we expect when we came to Christ? You see, there's, there's the tradition of men that really this crowd had gotten caught up in. And then there's the actual Word of God. And the tradition of men oftentimes is telling people today, if you'll just come to Christ, everything's going to magically work out for you. No, it's going to be difficult at times. Listen, it's, it, the Christian life's full of joy and blessings and peace and all that, but there are going to be trials. There are going to be difficulties. And so don't get caught up in what everybody else is saying. Don't expect anything other than what God's Word says. And so we ought not to expect everything's just going to be smooth sailing. Um, I know we don't get that from the Bible because we are told to expect all that Jesus said. We just need to take God at His Word and, and look no further. So... For tonight, let's, let's move on to verse 23, which is a continuation here. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. So he's continuing to reference Deuteronomy 18. He's not giving a direct quotation, but he is giving the sense of that passage. And I think it'd be good if I read that again. In, in fact, I, I think we have time. Why don't you follow me? Because we're going to look at a couple passages in Deuteronomy Hold your place there in Acts 3, and, and for those who would, I'm going to go to Deuteronomy 18, and we're going to look at some things here from the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 15 through 19 is the reference that Peter is citing. And it says, beginning in verse 15, The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me, and him ye shall hearken, according to all that thou desirest of the Lord thy God in Horeb, in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire any more, that I die not. And the Lord said unto me, They have well spoken that which they have spoken. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren like unto thee, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. Now, I wanted to lay eyes on this prophecy so that we can understand what led to Moses making this statement. Why did God have to say this is going to happen, that he would raise up another prophet. 
when God came down upon Mount Sinai and was giving the law, we find this in Exodus 20, verses 18 and 19. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. Hebrews 12, verses 18 and 19. For ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched, that burned with fire, referring back to Sinai, unto blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. That day, when, when God came down upon that mountain, was, it was a very fearful thing. In fact, Hebrews says, Moses even said, I exceedingly fear and quake. God had come down. And the people said, we don't want to hear God's voice anymore. Can you imagine? If we continue to hear the voice of God, we're going to die. And so they, they tell Moses, Moses, you go up. You speak with God. Whatever He tells you, you tell us. They didn't want to hear from God. Now, you're in Deuteronomy. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 5. I should make y'all turn more often. I usually just read these and I do all the work. Uh-uh, not anymore. Bunch of lazy Baptists. Deuteronomy 5, verses 25 through 28. Look at this. It's a restating of the same thing I'm talking about here. Now therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of the Lord our God anymore, then we shall die. For who is there of all flesh that hath heard the voice of the living God speaking out of the midst of the fire and as we have and lived? Go thou near and hear all that the Lord our God shall say. Speak thou unto us all that the Lord our God shall speak unto thee and we will hear it and do it. The Lord heard the voice of your words when ye spake unto me and the Lord said unto me, I have heard the voice of the words of this people which they have spoken unto thee, they have well said all that they have spoken. So even though God said they had well spoken, we don't want to see this. We we don't want to be a part of this. We don't want to hear it. Moses, you go speak to us. God says, what you've spoken, you've well spoken. But I'm currently of the opinion that He meant this in the sense that he knew their heart. He knew that they were not ready to hear. They didn't want to hear. And so he says, what you've spoken, you've well spoken. It's like somebody, you know, well, we're just not coming back to that church. Well, what you've spoken, you've well spoken. You've made up your mind. You've made up your heart. And and I think God here is saying, what what you've spoken, I get it. That's right. You, you, You don't want to hear it. And so... It appears from the next verse here 
that God's desire was that they would hear His voice. Look what it says in verse 29. Oh, that there were such a heart in them that they would fear Me and keep all My commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. They didn't have a heart to hear, and God says, Oh, I wish you had a heart to hear. I wish that you feared me. I I wish that you would keep my commandments. God says to Moses, tell them to get to their tents. In fact, the Bible says, go say to them, get you into your tents again. But as for thee, Moses, stand thou here by me and I will speak unto thee all the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which thou shalt teach them that they may do them in the land which I give them to possess it. And that's verses 30 and 31. When God said, since you don't want to hear from me, go back to your tent, but I will speak unto Moses. The sense to me is that God is indicating His desire was to speak to all of them. Because He directs Moses, Moses, you stay here and I'll just talk to you. God is saying, I'm going to speak to somebody in the camp. And so God then gives this prophecy through Moses that there would come a day when there would be another prophet like unto Moses. Notice the end. Go back to Acts chapter 3, I'm sorry. Notice the end of verse 22 of Acts chapter 3 again. A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. You didn't want to hear God's voice back then when you came out of Egypt and you arrived at Mount Sinai. But there is one arriving in the future. And you will hear Him. And I think we are meant to begin to put together here that this prophet who would come on the scene down the road would in fact be God in the flesh. God says, you didn't want to hear from me then, but there's coming a day that I'll raise up another prophet and you will hear him. I am going to speak unto you. And you are going to hear. I don't care if you're afraid or not. You're going to hear what I have to say. And the contrast that I see here is Moses went up to God to get the Word of God to bring down to speak to the people because they didn't want to hear from God. So God says, I will bring one who is the living Word down to you. Whoop! Good night. I could do a lap right there. Just as Moses was in God's presence and came down with the Word of God, so Jesus was in God's presence and came down as the Word of God. And in that context, Jesus was a prophet like unto Moses, or vice versa. In other words, you will hear me. You will have no choice but to hear that prophet because I will be that prophet. You couldn't, you wouldn't want me You you didn't want to come to me before, so I'm going to come to you. 
verse 23 of our text says that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Every soul which will not hear. In other words, every person will give an account to this prophet. Those who refuse to believe and obey will be destroyed. In number 16, there's the account of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. There were 250 accomplices, men that were coming against God's man, the prophet Moses, and against God's established priesthood. And long story short, remember the earth opens up and swallows up the house of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Their entire families. And then a fire came down from God and consumed the 250 men that were in cahoots. On the next day, the people... This blows my mind. On the, on the next day, the people are still complaining. The earth just opened up and swallowed people. Fire has fallen from heaven and consumed 250 men and the next morning they wake up still complaining. Sounds like a Baptist church or something. They complained to Moses because those people died. Long story short, God sends a plague throughout the camp and another 14,700 people die. They didn't complain the next day. And Peter now gives Israel the warning that they must hear this prophet or they too will be destroyed because he's a prophet like unto Moses. And the implication to me is clear that there is only salvation through this prophet, this one man. This one that God would raise up. The the only way to be saved from being destroyed is going to be through this prophet. This one that God's raised up among them who is worthy of more glory than Moses, Hebrews says. And the writer of Hebrews says in in Hebrews 2.3, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Hebrews chapter 10, verses 28 and 29. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. In essence there in Hebrews, look, you think it's bad that the earth opened up and swallowed up some guys and fire came from heaven and there was a plague sent and 14,700 people died? How much sore punishment do you think you should be worthy of when you reject Christ and His blood? Revelation 20.15, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Albert Barnes wrote, The Scriptures abundantly declare the truth that if sinners will not hear the Lord Jesus, they shall be destroyed. And it becomes each individual to inquire with honesty whether he listens to his instructions and obeys his law or whether he is rejecting him and following the devices and desires of his own heart. 
In other words, the Bible has made this clear abundantly over and over again that there's only two destinations. There's only two fates. Search your heart. Examine yourself. See whether you be in the faith. It's a fearful thing to fall to the hands of a living God. Because Peter is addressing Israel here, some also see this as a warning of Jerusalem's destruction to come in A.D. 70 as foretold by Christ, who is that prophet. And Jesus prophetically gave them all the warnings when you see this, when you see Jerusalem compassed about with armies, all these things, when you see uh, this standing where it shouldn't be, when you see these things, get out of town because it's about to, get, it's about to go down. You're about to be destroyed if you don't get out of Jerusalem. In other words, they would be destroyed from among the people. And now in verse 24, Peter further aligns himself with all the prophets. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. Peter wants his kinsmen in the flesh to see that Jesus is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophets. He begins with Moses, which covers the law, and he mentions all the prophets. John 1.45, Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Matthew 5.17, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Luke 24.44, And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must, must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Acts 28.23, And when they had appointed him a day, speaking of the Apostle Paul, there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets, from morning till evening. Your Old Testament tells you about Jesus. Uh, We don't need the Old Testament today. Well, it sure is going to help you understand some things. It foretold of Him. All of God's prophets foretold of the Messiah. I didn't have time to go through it all. I could have given you a long list. But it it covers His uh, incarnation, His obedience, His suffering, His death, His resurrection, His ascension, the giving of the Holy Spirit, His office, the times of refreshing, the gospel times in which we live, the conversion of the Gentiles and of all sinners, both Jew and Gentile alike. And you'll find Christ throughout the Old Testament if you'll just look for Him. He's there. Verse 25, Ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. They weren't literally the physical descendants of the prophets, but they were the children of Israel. And so in a sense, they were. And therefore, they professed to be the followers of the prophets. And as such, they should be more inclined to listen to their own prophets. And then embrace that prophet that those prophets said would come. The Messiah. Peter also calls them the children of the covenant that God made with Abraham. That is also the everlasting covenant, the new covenant. We covered that in a previous message early on in these sets of verses. But we've been in these verses now for, I think, ten weeks, so you may not remember all that. 
They were the physical descendants of Abraham. So who better to align themselves with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob than these physical descendants? I'm going somewhere with this. Stay with me, please. Who, who better to align themselves? They, they should have been connecting the dots as Peter is giving this message. Matthew Henry wrote, Now this should quicken them to embrace Christ, that, and they might hope to be accepted of Him, for their own prophets had foretold that this grace should be brought unto them at the revelation of Jesus Christ, and therefore ought not to be neglected by them, nor should be denied to them. So, if you're following this here, Peter, he takes them from Abraham to Moses and all the prophets. Peter here saying, look, we as apostles, we are not teaching you anything that is out of line of Scripture. Go and search for yourself. Abraham, he saw this day. Moses foretold of it. The prophets foretold of it. Go look for yourself. We're not some wackos. What Peter does here, he declares to them what they should have already known. And and they did have a mental assent that, yep, we're the children of Abraham. They they tried that over in John chapter 8. Jesus said, you're of your father the devil. Yep, we we hold to Moses' teachings. No, you don't, because you rejected that prophet. No, we're, we're the children of the prophets. We believe all they said. No, you don't. Or else why am I even having this sermon for you tonight? Not me, but Peter. Peter is politely saying, you should know better. You of all people, Israel, should know that this prophet was the fulfillment of the Scriptures. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Romans 3, 1 and 2. What advantage then hath the Jew, or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. Both Peter and Paul are saying, look, you've had every advantage because God gave you the Word. That's what the oracles of God are. And and they're saying, you should have known better. Ye men of Israel, that's who he addresses. Ye men of Israel, can't you see how you should know this? You're the children of the covenant. You're the children of the oracles of God. Then verse 26, Unto you first, God having raised up His Son Jesus, sent Him to bless you, and turning away every one of you from His iniquities. They had every advantage beforehand and afterwards before Jesus's crucifixion after Jesus's resurrection they had every advantage because Jesus first appeared to them he was first preached to them Luke 24:47 and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem Acts 13.46, Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, speaking to the Jews, it was necessary that the Word of God should first have been spoken to you. And we see here what Christ came to do. He came to bless. 
He came to turn people away from their iniquities. Matthew 1.21 And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. 1 John 3.5 And ye know that he was manifested to take away your sins, or take away our sins, and in him is no sin. How could they possibly reject a Savior such as this? Peter told them in verse 19, Repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. And so what Peter tells them is, do your part, God is ready to do His. If you'll repent, if if you'll go to God, Christ is ready to turn you from your iniquities and therefore bless you. So are you hearing that prophet? If you are, you'll be blessed. But if you aren't, you're going to be destroyed. It's that simple. And listen, what I I want you to get from this tonight, because I believe our church is preaching the Word of God. And many of you have been here for years. Many of you have been in other churches like this for years. Many of us have now raised our children in churches like this. Do you understand? We have every advantage. We have the Word of God. We have been given every advantage. But what are we doing with it? Of how much sore punishment suppose ye for those who have been given the Word of God? Of how much, how much greater judgment should we be under having the advantage and yet doing nothing about it. Some of you have been raised in a Christian home. What advantage do you have? Much in every way. Chiefly that unto you has been committed the oracles of God. What are you going to do with it? Or is the day going to have to come that you're so backslidden that some preacher is going to have to get up the pulpit and start explaining things to you that you should have known from your youth up? You should have known you're the children of the covenant. You should have known you're the children of the prophets. You should have known what Moses had said. You should have known these things. But you sat in church and you didn't pay attention and you thought I was an idiot and you wanted to go to sleep. Hurry up. Get done. Get over. I want to go home. And then when your life falls apart, what went wrong? You turned your back on God. And that's how God can be walking in your midst right under your nose and you miss Him to the point that the crowd cries out, crucify Him. We don't know if He's that prophet. How could you not know? Peter here has taken them from, look, Jesus, He's the one you've crucified. He's the one that's in heaven. He's he's the one that ascended to God. He's, He's raised again from the dead. He is that prophet. He is who the prophet spoke about. He is the one that uh, is, is the, the one who made the covenant with Abraham, the covenant confirmer. And yet, I'm having to preach this sermon to people of Israel again. When did he preach it? Acts chapter 2. How many times does he have to get up and preach the same message? I better stop there because I feel the flesh coming on. We've been given every advantage. 
we hold in our hands the same Word of God that Peter could reference and say, this is what Moses said. This is the covenant with Abraham. This is the fulfillment of the prophets. We have the same Word. I know they didn't have it canonized like this, but we, we have the Bible. We have the advantage. We just don't get in it. Someone might be thinking, but I'm not of Israel. How do I fit in all this Peter's sermon here? Well, you just need to know Galatians chapter 3. Over there, Galatians 3, verses 6 through 9, it says, Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all the nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Galatians 3, 13-14, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Curses everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Galatians 3.16 Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith, and he saith not, and to seeds, plural, as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. Galatians 3, verses 26 through 29, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male or female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And so though the message was first preached to the Jews, God's not forsaking the Gentiles. In Christ, the middle wall of partition has been broken down between Jew and Gentile. And all in Christ are made up now of one body. We all have access to God by the same Spirit. And now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Ephesians 2, 14-19. All nations can be blessed by the covenant God made with Abraham because when He says all the families will be blessed, it's the same as saying even all the Gentiles, the Goyim, all the Gentiles will even be blessed. So even though Peter is addressing Israel here in chapter 3, I want you to know this message is for us tonight. So what will your fate be? Will you place your faith and trust in Christ? Or will you continue to reject Him and be destroyed? And, and to our church, listen, please don't forsake the advantage that we've been given. We have the Word of God. We have a, a godly heritage, many of us. And we have a good church, I would say. <laughs> I love it when I get these emails from people looking to relocate. Um, hey, can you tell us about your church? Is it a good church? No, sir, please don't attend here. It's brutal. If I could resign tomorrow, I would. How sad is it to watch those who know better depart from God? 
breaks our heart. Don't be destroyed. But come to Christ and allow Him to bless you by turning you away from your sins. Would you pray with me, please?